Welcome to the Ink and Think Hour, where two best friends discuss cartoons like they're high art. Because they are. Episode 6, Saludos Amigos. First in a long series uh, that lasts through the 1940s mm-hmm. of collections of shorts. Which I personally have mixed feelings about, knowing that we have a whole lot of these ahead of us. I have seen a lot of them. Oh, uh, I've seen none of them, so. Right. And they're a mixed bag. There's okay. stuff that I really, really like. I mean, we get to the Ichabod Crane story in 1949, which I love Disney's interpretation of Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Which I think, I mean, to be fair, mixed bag it tends to be the nature of the anthology type movie. Right. This one is not exactly a shorts anthology in a way you might expect. It's essentially a series of home videos from a trip that the Disney company took to Latin America that is used to frame a number of shorts that were inspired by their time there. Pretty much. Does that sum it up? That sums it up. I will say that it is a very touristy Mm -hmm. uh, version of a trip, even down to some of the places where they show Disney folks watching sort of um, traditional dances. Mm -hmm. It is very much... A pageant of this is the history and rich culture. And not only that, but there's the sense I got that this trip is, you know, they're building material for a feature film. And so all of the people that they're meeting are, are you know, are conscious of that. Right. And so, of course, they're going to come out in traditional garb and be kind of very explaining about this is all of the pieces we're wearing which is not necessarily a problem because in some ways that's how you keep culture alive mm-hmm. but i do think that it definitely does feel very much as though they are representing their experience as north american tourists as authentic and similarly that it is necessary to put a north american lens in order to represent this culture that mm-hmm. they're not making room so much for Latin American artists to tell the story themselves. It's the perceptions of the animation team as they go through. Right. They tend to foreground that Mm -hmm. in the sense that you have in the first sketch, um, Donald Duck as the North American tourist. Yes. They're careful to be very aware of placing an American or a North American in the context. Mm -hmm. While I would not say... That it is, I think this movie is a mixed bag in the way that it represents other cultures. Because on the one hand, one thing that I was reading as background was mm-hmm. that this was some of the first time that American audiences had seen Latin America as a place of modern culture, as opposed to a kind of stereotypical romanticized image of a bunch of rural peasants. That this was the first time they had seen cities and modern fashion. And that it did a lot to update America's perceptions of Latin America, while at the same time also coming with this this incredibly tourist-oriented viewpoint that, you know, is is exoticizing. So both of those things are kind of complicatedly true of it at the same time. Yeah, I, I was really impressed, actually, with the way that the film, even though it didn't really seem to be part of the project, to show really modern South America. Mm-hmm. We did get to see Rio de Janeiro. We got to see a little bit of Buenos Aires mm-hmm. um, in film, mm-hmm. uh, in the, the real life film. Yeah, as they as the animators are recording their actual experiences visiting these, these countries. Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of research on how this movie came about. And I think that it informs this discussion in a really useful way. 
I'm, I'm in particular pulling this off of IMDb. The film Saludos Amigos was conceived as a Disney effort to support the then-current good neighbor policy of President Franklin D. Roosevelt. There was an effort to create greater cultural diplomacy, promoting hemispheric solidarity, and countering the growing influence of the Axis powers in Latin America. The OCIAA's Motion Picture Division worked with Hollywood Studios to create films which incorporated Latin American stars and content. They were intended to play a double role in the effort, to both educate the American public about Latin America and to increase the appeal of American films in Latin America. And Disney was one of the first ones to do this. I would also maybe argue that they're building the profile of Latin American cinema or Latin American stars, mm-hmm. right? You're bringing in some talent to North America. You're showcasing talent from um, a pool that has not been drawn from in yeah. America. And yep. it feels very much to me like the, the 90s Latin pop. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's difficult to kind of make broad assumptions about is this movie good or bad? It's kind of just ultimately a tourist package that has good mm-hmm. intentions, but because it is a tourist package, ends up being kind of romanticized and othering in a way that is not malevolent, but is certainly exoticized and romantic. Carnival in Rio. Out of these spectacular scenes, the gay, colorful rhythms of Brazil at Mardi Gras time, the pulse-pounding sweep of the pampas, the exotic beauty of Peru, Argentina, Brazil. Out of the romantic laughter of dashing gauchos and carefree dancers, comes the inspiration for Walt Disney's glorious new musical feature, Saludos Amigos. Yeah, and I mean, I think that we get that even in the first of the vignettes, Mm -hmm. um, which is called Lake Titicaca, Mm -hmm. um, and involves Donald Duck actively searching out Incan culture. Uh Uh-huh. They go through different parts of Peru. Donald Duck, as much as the animators are actively searching for Incan landmarks. Mm-hmm. They're actively searching not for the present, but for the deep past right. of South America. And that's where we start, is looking mm-hmm. uh, looking for the rural peasantry that might bring us as close as we can get to ancient Inca, mm-hmm. an- ancient Mayan culture. Yeah, it's this interesting tension, too, where the role of the tourist is to seek out these these relics of the past Mm -hmm. and the the tourist industry necessarily involves um, recreating cultural images and traditions for the edification of tourists and again not that that is necessarily inherently a bad thing Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to take a look at how in the 1940s this tension of past and modernity kind of gets encapsulated in this movie a little bit where we have the contrast of the the modern city and the constant comparison to oh they're just like us in western culture mm-hmm. the the gaucho is just a cowboy which is their assertion versus the the kind of relishing in the the tradition of these countries yeah and and in addition thinking about the difference between the countryside and the metropolis mm-hmm. um where i think that there is sort of this fetishization of the countryside as the keepers of the past mm-hmm. as sort of backwards looking i guess in a way that allows us to see what the past might have been like backwards looking in the sense that disney's perception of backwards looking in the sense that uh, i guess disney's perception but sort of i would say all metropolis or all cosmopolitan I, I just don't know what you mean by backwards looking i guess um are... that that they are 
frozen in time. That's the way that this movie presents them. Uh, That's the way that this movie presents them. And I think that that's the way that a lot of cosmopolitans think about the country. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And certainly at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is the kind of thing that I think about all the time where like my grandfather was growing up at this time in a home on an island where he had no indoor plumbing, where the closest hospital was several hours away, Mm -hmm. um, where he lived a sort of more traditional life in rural Newfoundland, Uh in like very, very far east Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. And they grew up eating fish for every meal Mm -hmm. because that's what they had available to them. And like they had dogs that they had in their home. I guess maybe I'm trying to lend credence to the idea that this could be true, Mm -hmm. uh, that there is certainly a sense that maybe far rural areas are somewhat technologically disadvantaged or something. Okay. Or, I'm struggling a little bit with this, to be honest with you. Sure. Because what's at stake here in this argument? They're technologically impaired, therefore so, they are the keepers of the past? So their their daily life in the present is more similar to daily life in the past. Okay, all right. The idea that I'm trying to get across here is that there might be some grain of truth to looking at far sure. rural I, I think what I'm trying to get us to be careful about is is sim, is similarly stereotyping rural communities as that when we say that you know there's less access to the the resources of the city. Mm-hmm. It's not that these people are simpler. It's that the resources they have are different. Yeah, it is that their their lifestyles are. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, and I think I think that's true. Although I think again in this depiction. Disney is really, really invested in the bright colors mm-hmm. of the clothing. They narrate the fact that they've actively sought out this particular image, mm-hmm. which again feels like a curated version. Yeah, they, they refer to it as a travelogue that is punctuated by this home movie footage rather than uh, a brochure or something like that, which it also is, Yeah, or frankly. Rather- or rather than a sociological expedition. Uh-huh. Like, it's it's not about necessarily capturing average life, mm-hmm. but about capturing this idealized version of... Yeah. It, it Again, it's I feel like we keep coming back to the idea that this is kind of an advertisement for Latin America. Mm-hmm. We had this great vacation and look at everything we experienced... And we're we're bringing it to life through these vibrant cartoons, and you too can experience the the quote unquote romance and quote unquote strangeness of Latin America. Yeah, which is as we say a mixed bag yeah, <laughs> to watch um, in twenty twenty. I mean, certainly, what is the phrase they use? Strangeness and something else. Exotic. Strange and exotic. Yeah, yeah. they refer to the music in the in the marketplace as strange and exotic. So they they very much are working in that tradition of othering. Yeah, and I think that it's it's almost hardest to talk about when, and I think we've actually seen this from Disney a lot. When the the treatment of other cultures is not ill meaning, but that doesn't mean that it's without issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that we saw that certainly with the crows and Dumbo, and we saw that with other things we've talked about, with the mushrooms and Fantasia. Sure. And... And, and I exclude from this something like the, the minstrel uh, centaurette character who is just... Right. It, it doesn't fall under that kind of well-intentioned no. racism or otherness. Rather, that's just hateful. But it, I think that this movie is a really interesting example of something that is both positive but also romantic in a way that can obscure the reality of what it's like Mm -hmm. to live in this place. And to be quite honest with you, 
I don't know what it's like to live in Latin America. No. So I can't really say that this movie, I can't speak to this movie's degree of accuracy. Right. I can only speak to the, the clues that the movie gives us that they are having a very touristy experience. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems from what I've researched that this movie has always prompted those debates about the level of accuracy. It was a positive in the sense that it introduced America to a more modern and updated version of Latin America. But similarly comes with these romantic and exoticizing elements. Right. So it can be all of these things at once. Mm -hmm. So do we want to go through the shorts? We've kind of talked about Lake Titicaca, which is next. We have one with Donald interacting with some llamas. So that's the second half of Lake Titicaca. Right, right, right. Donald and the llama climbing the mountain with the suspension bridge over Mm -hmm. the village. And this one is pretty straightforward, kind of cartoonish. A character trying to cross a bridge and failing utterly in multiple ways over and over again. And the slapstickness of the terror being on a suspension bridge and then knocking out some of the wooden planks and Uh having to figure out a way to get across. Yeah, and while you are carrying your llama on your back because it refuses to carry you. Yes. This one was kind of funny, but pretty straightforward. And then we move on to what was probably my favorite one, which was, it's a short about a little plane named Pedro. Yeah, Pedro. Whose father delivers the mail from Chile to Argentina. Yeah. And back. And who goes out on his very first flight when his father gets a cold in his cone, his head cone. Yeah. (laughs) And his mother has high oil pressure, so she can't go. (laughs) So he's got to deliver the mail Mm -hmm. for the very first time. Prior to this, we also see him at his little plane school, which I, which kind of made me laugh a couple times where he's learning air writing and geography and anatomy, which is just a skeleton of a plane, (laughs) (laughs) which really made me laugh. At one point when Pedro takes off to do this run for his father, who can't, you yelled out, he's a little idiot. And I wanted you to explain that. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I guess I just was like, I don't trust this kid yet. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't think that he's capable yet of making this journey. And I mean, I was proved wrong. You, I think you really underestimated Pedro and his ability to tackle the elements. I did. I did. And I just think you should apologize. (laughs) I, I am sorry to Pedro the plane underestimated your ability to make it through the elements yeah i am truly very sorry i'm glad i'm glad that you're taking a responsibility for that that being said he does screw up (laughs) (laughs) i Um, mean what kind of short would it be if if, there was no tension yeah so he is he is told over and over again by his parents not to fly too close to this mountain range that is animated to look like it has a face which is a really cool image because it's the the mountain creates this air pressure situation where there are tumultuous winds and it's difficult for planes to fly through. Mm-hmm. He gets distracted by a vulture that he's chasing and making gun noises at and flies right into this area. And there's this extended series of vaulting challenges where he has to get through the winds and fly up and up and up and increase his altitude until he hits 25,000 feet. And then he's over the storm. But just as he reaches it, and the narrator is kind of yelling at him, like, go, Pedro, go, you can do it. Just as he reaches it, he runs out of gas and he falls into the abyss. And then from all appearances, he appears to be dead. Yes, uh, we do go back to Pedro's parents 
who are actively searching the skies for him, and they've decided that it has been so long that he must necessarily have become a martyr to the male system. Yeah. Or rather, another martyr another to the male system. Another martyr to the male system. I wrote that down, too. And then the unbelievable happens. The we, miracle happens. We hear some sputtering from mm-hmm. off screen. And he rolls into the scene, having delivered the mail. Late, but he did it. Uh, and, of course, the final punchline being, there's one piece of mail... There's one little postcard that says, wish you were here. And that's it. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only thing that he managed to carry. <laughs> I think that my main problem with this short, which is not a serious critique, is he loses, he has no gas. And then at the end, he just flies back. Where did he get the gas from? I mean, to be fair, I think in the end, he sort of like crawls back. Like, I think the idea is that he's just like pushing himself He just along. walks. Because mm-hmm. I think, I think actually when the camera first pans to him, uh, he's on his back. Mm. Um, and it sort of gives me the sense that like he's not, he hasn't actually flown back. Right. I also will say that when we first see Pedro, he is chugging gasoline. Mm-hmm. And drinks an entire canister of gasoline. We were saying this with an air of disapproval. Well, no, what I mean is I think he's just got extra gas. And even though he was spluttering, <laughs> what? even though he was spluttering, I think maybe he... Had a reserve? Yeah. Jeremy, that's not how gas works. I don't know. <laughs> he ran out, but he had like an extra printer cartridge. Here's the thing. He sputtered. Uh-huh. We don't know necessarily that that means he ran out. It just means he sputtered. But if, if one sputters, doesn't that not mean that one is running out of gas? Running, but not run out. Okay. I'm... I think there's there's a way that potentially he could have had enough gas. This is just a weird hill for you to die on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it, it kind of wraps up quickly after the extended sequence of Pedro trying to fly mm-hmm. um, above the, the harsh winds. But this one was cute. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, and Pedro's got a cute little design. Yeah. Um, there was one, a couple shots that I liked where um, when the lightning hits, all of a sudden he just becomes the lines of animation. Like he becomes the skeleton of the plane, mm-hmm. which is both kind of classically cartoony. It's like very Felix the Cat. But at the same time, they, they set up that he that the anatomy of a plane looked like this. And yep. then they I liked that they had a callback. It pays off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we move on to... El Gaucho Goofy. Mm-hmm. So this one is prefaced by the Disney company animators going to see a demonstration by a gaucho, um, which mm-hmm. is essentially a skilled horseman who are nat- kind of national symbols in countries like Argentina and Uruguay and Chile and South Brazil. Yeah, and uh, this in particular is an Argentinian gaucho. Mm-hmm. Um, they've stopped in Buenos Aires and they're visiting uh, another popular cartoonist who draws cartoons of gauchos mm-hmm. and then they go see uh, and then they are invited to go see a gaucho um and in addition to that like several country dancers they refer to them as peasant dances that are just essentially uh as the film points out kind of like square dancing in the u.s mm-hmm. is kind of that group dance that happens again in rural areas mm-hmm. the movie also uses a lot of phrases like that which is this is a lot like our jitterbug or this is a lot like our square dance or, as we see with the ensuing cartoon, the gaucho is essentially a Latin American version of our cowboy, mm-hmm. which is the thesis of this short. Yeah. 
And it is about as exciting as that thesis. <laughs> well, it's it's sort of um, goofy as an American cowboy is transported to Latin America where he has to learn to live as a gaucho, essentially. So most of the short is goofy trying on the various parts of a gaucho's daily garb, yeah. dancing the the dances that Disney animators have seen on their vacation, with the narrator kind of explaining what these things are, and not really much context, just the names of these things. Yeah, the names, and often these things are kind of scientifically labeled mm-hmm. uh, on screen. Yeah, we it's get very textbook-like. So we get to see the Spanish words written out and spoken mm-hmm. in a way that I think is meant to be almost like a, a primer for learning the language, mm-hmm. uh, a primer for learning the culture. Yeah, it. I will say most of the humor of this short is Goofy doing the dances around the campfire with his horse. And I wish that we had gotten more actual storytelling with respect to the dances in terms of they're naming a bunch of them and they say one little blurb about this is what it looks like. like this, this dance essentially is all about the legs and the legs are just flailing out and the, the top half is more stationary. But I kind of wish that maybe often dances come with a cultural story. Mm-hmm. Usually there's a, there's a history behind them. I, kinda, I think Ooh. that that's one way that this section might have done a little more to kind of explain the origin of some of these dances. Yeah, well, we do get the one dance, the dance of the chicken and the rooster, uh-huh. that has a little bit of that. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. Overall, it's just a matter of showing that this dance exists mm-hmm. uh, and not much more. Which is kind of, I think, emblematic of the movie as a whole, really. It's, yeah. it's showing these things exist, but there's not a whole ton of insight beyond listing and labeling things. In the same way as you would, again, explain your vacation photos. Um, although I will say that there is another funny moment, sorry, to jump back all the way to uh, Donald Duck at Lake Titicaca, uh-huh. where he puts on the local garb, and they have a moment where it's like, like all good tourists, the vacation doesn't start till he puts on the tourist garb. <laughs> so like, there at least is an acknowledgement of mm-hmm. the the privilege of coming in and doing that. Yeah, and the, the kind of performativity mm-hmm. of being a tourist in, so I, in these countries. So I think if there's... In any country, really. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's kind of an at least an acknowledgement of the sort of we're trying this on and we're putting we're putting these costumes on our characters Mm -hmm. period yeah i I agree so this section really um is is followed up by i guess probably the most inventive oh before we leave this one okay i do want to point out that we once again get the ostrich the ostrich, yeah, the showing Arge- up again. They love drawing ostriches they at the do. Disney Company in the 40s. Yeah, and the Argentinian ostrich, which has no tail feathers, mm. no decorative tail feathers. Is that a real thing? I feel like that's something they made up. I will Google it. You look it up, and I will set up the next short. So the next one we get is a kind of a music video, in the sense that it is animation set to... The song Watercolor of Brazil, as sung in this movie by the character Joe Carioca. Uh, Do you have an update for us? The Argentine ostrich mm-hmm. uh, is actually called the Rea and is a distant cousin 
of the ostrich. I knew they were making it up, uh, kind of. Yeah, is a distant cousin of the ostrich and does not have tail feathers. Okay, decorative so tail they feathers. again are Americanizing this. Yeah, they're they're again using a familiar image to introduce us to yeah. a maybe less familiar I animal. Knew, I knew I was right to be suspicious of that ostrich. So the last short is the Joe Carioca introduction. Yeah. Who is this Brazilian parrot who seems to be based on this actual parrot that they met on their vacation. But here he's reimagined as having a boater hat and a yellow jacket and enjoying a cigar. Yeah, he is a malandros which is a ladies' man in Portuguese. Okay. Uh, and he is actually somewhat of a cultural stereotype. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, you can kind of tell when you're watching it. It's the kind of Latin lover yeah. type of stereotype that they are. he's kind of evoking. Yeah. Although I don't remember him particularly interacting with any women. He's just kind of, if he's wooing anybody, it's Donald Duck. Uh, he is smart, friendly, and always in a good mood. And his happiness resembles that of Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Um, is that from the Disney wiki? Or... That is from the Disney wiki. Okay. So hmm. I think that there is a sense that he's sort of... Um, I think everything in this movie we kind of have to accept is is um, a romanticized depiction in one way or another mm-hmm. of Latin American cultures. Yeah. Even like, or particularly in, in this case, if he's a personification of Rio de Janeiro, is that what they're yeah. implying? Yeah. But this one is kind of the most interesting short, I thought, visually, because the song, uh, Watercolor of Brazil. Well, I think the song is uh, Brazil and Tico Tico no Fuba. Okay. There's kind of combination of music. Yeah. And the the scenes are being painted in with this actual paintbrush or this animated paintbrush. So we're getting a, these kind of impressions of flora and fauna and animals that are coming to life out of the paintbrush. And eventually the, the short opens up onto Donald Duck, who is watching Joe Carioca be painted into existence mm-hmm. by that kind of artist. And one part that really did make me laugh is that he, Donald Duck grabs a bit of ink and tries to draw and he's a horrible, he like, he just draws like a, the most <laughs> embarrassing stick figure, but he loves it. He's like cackling at it. And that made me laugh. And then, the, and then of course the disembodied paintbrush knocks him over yeah. into a puddle. Uh, where Discourages he his artistic dreams. <laughs> yeah. And then Joe comes to life and seems really excited to meet Donald, seems to have heard of him and know his legacy, and invites him out on the town. Yeah, there's um, a fun little interaction between them where they're passing each other their cards, Mm -hmm. and Jose is speaking exclusively in Portuguese, Uh and Donald is like really struggling to understand what he's saying. Uh Partway through their conversation, Jose just decides... I speak English. Yeah. I'm going to speak English to you. Or as you English say, let's hit the town. Yeah. Yeah, after this, this long, long extended period yeah. of speaking Portuguese. Which I actually think is very neat in this in this particular short, in that most of the language that is spoken is Brazilian Portuguese. Mm-hmm. The music is exclusively in Brazilian Portuguese. And there's something, if not necessarily representative of Brazil at least giving voice to Brazilians in 
Brazilian Portuguese. Yeah, it's not translated most of it. So that is kind of something nice for people who do speak that language coming to see this movie. It's kind of exclusively for them. Yeah. It's kind of the one part of the movie that doesn't feel so locked to the American gaze. Although Donald's reaction is certainly meant to be relatable, I think. It's, it's nice to hear other languages in a Disney movie not feel like they have to translate everything. Yeah. Like, because most of this movie is about translating Latin American culture to Americans. The man who voiced him? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Oliveira. Who is a Brazilian voice actor. Mm-hmm. A Brazilian musician and voice actor. So yeah. there is, again, I guess sort of towards the beginning, I was trying to point towards this idea that we are bringing Latin American culture to North America as well. Yeah. And I think this is an example of we've got a songwriter mm-hmm. and a voice actor who are being introduced to American audiences. Right. And the movie, to kind of circle all the way around, because this is the last short, and it's it, then the movie's just over. There's not really an off-ramp. It's just done when they are done carousing on the town. The movie opens up with a dedication that says, with sincere appreciation for the courtesy and cooperation shown us by the artists, musicians, and our many friends in Latin America. So it, it certainly seems like this movie in its day was what they were trying to do was a form of cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. But I think the result is that it feels kind of propagandistic often. Yeah, and it doesn't feel necessarily like they're asking Brazilians to share their culture with them as Which much as they're the... asking to share Brazilian culture with North America. On their own terms. Uh, or I guess, sorry, Latin American culture. Yeah. I just have Brazil on the brain. <laughs> sure. Given the last. Yeah, um, I think that's true. And I think that's why this one is so hard to talk about because all of its goals are so on on the nose. Mm-hmm. It, it's not really like we're going to get a deep thesis out of this movie, which exists exclusively to sell the idea of Latin America to Americans. Yeah. Essentially. Yep. Uh, next week, we will see more, actually, of... Joe uh, or Jose Carioca. Oh, we will? Yes, Jose Carioca makes a comeback to be the star or one of the three stars of The Three Caballeros. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see if if The Three Caballeros is different enough from this one to maybe we'll like it a little better. I actually have seen The Three Caballeros before. Okay, well, maybe save your feelings about it for next time then. Um, But I I will say that it, it is more narrative. Okay, all right. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking this trip through the a tourist brochure of Latin America <laughs> with me. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Uh, this was fun. And I'm sorry that you hate Pedro the Plain so much. I, I will not apologize. <laughs> All right, folks. Have a good week. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.